from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I was inside the dumpster, so I don't, it's, I guess in this situation, it's better to be inside the dumpster than outside the dumpster, but um, neither is very glamorous. Unfortunately, that's not the first time that we've had to remove an animal in that predicament. Eastern gray squirrels will do that as well, and we have had more than one skunk. So we've got it down to a science. Real life lessons of when to be in a dumpster and when not to be. I'm Danny Wissentowski. You might not know it, but we're in the middle of baby season, and that's a critical time for the Wildlife Rescue Center. Located in Baldwin, the center works every year to save thousands of injured wild animals, and many of them are, yes, babies. Baby possums, birds, bats, squirrels, turtles, and more. The center has been in operation for some 43 years, and its mission is tied to the impact humans make on the environment around us. Our roads, vehicles, even pets, these pose a danger to vulnerable wildlife, especially when they're just starting out. But it's also people who keep the Wildlife Rescue Center going. However, for the past three years, the center has been closed to the public. That changes tomorrow, when the center holds its first open house fundraiser since 2019. Earlier this week, St. Louis on the Air producer Avery Rogers took a trip to the Wildlife Rescue Center, and they observed the somewhat tricky process of feeding lunch to a baby squirrel. That is the sound of a baby squirrel drinking formula from a special syringe. In the background, you can hear other squirrels climbing around their cages, waiting for their turn to be fed. She says, give me my food. (laughs) Earlier this week, staff member Kelsey Swan showed our producer Avery Rogers the process of feeding rescued baby squirrels as they recover from illness or injury. So first we take them out and we have to just stimulate them to go to the bathroom because they won't do it on their own when they're little. Um, and then um, we feed them a, milli- a milliliter at a time just to keep them from like um, inhaling the formula. Um, so we do that relatively slowly. Um, and then f- the amount that they get is based on their weight. She is getting five mils and they get about, they get 5% of their body weight. That was Kelsey Swan, seasonal staff member at the Wildlife Rescue Center, tending to the needs of one very hungry baby squirrel. And I should mention that if you want to see these baby squirrels doing their thing, and I think you do, we have some incredible photos that Avery took on our website at stlonair.show. Now, back to baby season. This is just one example of the Wildlife Rescue Center's ongoing work, and it's the sort of thing you'll get to experience at the open house tomorrow. Now, here to talk about that open house, the animals in the center's care, and the challenges it has faced in the past three years is Kim Rutledge, the executive director of the Wildlife Rescue Center. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Kim, tomorrow's open house is your first public event since 2019. What's the reason for that gap? 
Um, well, it actually was the end of 2019 um, when we had a, a very serious storm, one of these, you know, once in a thousand year type situations, and the Wildlife Rescue Center had stormwater damage. We actually had stormwater come into our building, and our volunteers came in, uh, in on a morning in August and found that there was about three inches of water in the lobby, office building, and classroom. So we ended up having to do drywall repair and um, a, just a big process of getting things cleaned up and back to normal. And we decided to forego our usual fall event in 2019 thinking that um, we would be able to have our spring event in 2020. And then we all know what happened in 2020 that, that caused everybody to have to change operations. And it wasn't just, you know, a pandemic affecting, you know, people. You had an avian flu. Am I correct in that? What, how, how did that affect the, the center? Yes, we did. So we were fortunate to have, you know, wonderful team of volunteers and staff and supporters so to get through um busy two busy seasons with and dealing with COVID-19 and protecting our our people and keeping animals safe as well and then um at the beginning of this baby season we became aware of the outbreak of um high pathogenic avian influenza that started actually on the east coast and was working its way you know across the country um, so we got notification from our local um, Missouri Department of Conservation. They reached out to wildlife rehabilitators to say, you know, this is now, we believe, in our area or coming to our area, and we would like help with monitoring. So if you see birds um, with these symptoms, please let us know, and we're going to, you know, test and work together to, to figure out what's going on. Um, that notification we received in the mail on a Saturday, and that following Monday, we had our first report of a um, hooded merganser, actually, a, a type of duck that was uh, showing really neurologic symptoms, just, you know, swimming in a tight circle in a, in a local, I think it was Creve Corps. Um, so we helped to contain that animal, contacted the Missouri Department of Conservation. They sent their technician to pick it up, and it turned out to be positive for avian influenza. Wow. And, and how many of you know, the animals, your, your patients, how, how have they been affected by this? Our, we had to be extremely cautious with um, what we admitted because human safety was a concern, of course, and containing the outbreak um, was paramount. And so we worked with the you know, local USDA and Department of Conservation to come up with new protocols so that we could continue to take sick, injured, and orphaned animals um, during this pandemic, we definitely don't want to cause any harm or spread the disease further. So we had to reduce this, basically the space that we were able to keep our birds um, so that they never really came into the building. And that just presents other challenges. We treat um, we do treat water birds, but we, of course, we also treat native Missouri mammals, reptiles, and amphibians. Um, and during when this first started, it was the very beginning of the busy baby season when our phone is just absolutely ringing off the hook and people um, often show up just at the center with, with animals that they believe need help. And uh, a large number of those can be injured and orphaned um, ducks and geese and herons and egrets. And um, it was 
we were as it was evolving we were figuring out how to deal with it anytime someone would bring in a bird we had to put on um, full gear to keep ourselves protected and make sure that if they were sick we were able to keep that contained so it was um it was a it was a big change to wow. our protocols. You know, just while everyone is is wearing masks and protect, protective equipment, your staff is putting on protective protective equipment not for coronavirus but for avian flu. That's just uh, challenges on challenges. Um, now we are talking with Kim Rutledge, the executive director of the Wildlife Rescue Center, about its first open house uh, since 2019, and that open house is tomorrow. And you know, I should mention that in 2019 I was at that open house, and I was just looking back at the photos I took of these baby possums. Uh, you know, scrabble crawling all over their cage. And, you know, what part of what makes that open house so special is I got a chance to, to meet and talk with some of your staff members and volunteers to learn about what it takes to help those animals in need. And, you know, sometimes that work means getting messy. And when our producer, Avery Rogers, visited the center earlier this week, they spoke with senior staff member Maria Whitmire. And Maria described what happened when she found herself confronted with an animal in need. And that animal was a skunk. Okay, so I think one of my anim- favorite animal stories from working at the Wildlife Rescue Center would have been from about three days before Christmas, we got a phone call about a skunk who had its head stuck in the drainage kind of tube on a dumpster. And she was stuck butt end out. Um, and we went in to try to get her removed. We ended up having to sedate her, and the time that she sedated, she did spray all over everything, and that was when I first started here. I was pretty low on the totem pole, so I smelt like skunk. It was probably like maybe five degrees outside. We were out there for about two hours getting the skunk's head out of a dumpster, and we got her out. Kim did CPR on the skunk, a little mouth to mouth, with with a cover so that it was safe for both her and the skunk. And um, I had to work at the bar that night still, and they told me not to come in. I actually had to call out because I smelled like skunk. And my manager said that is the first time we've ever had somebody call out because they smelled like a skunk. And they knew to believe me because of my job here as well. It was a wonderful time. The skunk ended up, she spent about two to three days in care with us. We got her uh, warmed up, gave her the supportive care and all the good things. And she was released right back out to that same area, hopefully to never put her face in a dumpster hole again. That was Mariah Whitmire, a senior animal care staff member and volunteer coordinator at the Wildlife Rescue Center. Kim, I gotta ask, I just heard Mariah say you performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, CPR on a skunk, and you weren't the one sprayed. Uh, How did you manage that? Um, Well, that would probably not be my go-to story, but I did tease Mariah a little bit. Um, I will say I was on the inside of the dumpster, so I was dealing with the head uh, of the skunk, and unfortunately that's not the first time that we've had to remove an animal in that predicament we see um eastern gray squirrels will do that as well and we have had more than one skunk so we've got it down to a science but it is very very difficult and you have to sedate the animal so that you get them in just the right position to back them out of that hole um and doing sedation in the field is a little bit tricky 
um, which is why the animal sometimes needs a, a little help, a little breath, just to get them through that after you spend two hours um, in a dumpster in five degree weather trying to get this animal out, uh, you will resort to what may be considered extreme measures to make sure that they pull through. But they did. He, she did get through it. So, That's but just... I was, I was, and I was inside the dumpster. So I don't. It's. I guess in this situation, it's better to be inside the dumpster than outside the dumpster. But um, neither is very glamorous. Real life lessons of when to be in a dumpster and when not That's to right. be. And and you know, I think it gets to this point of this open house that is tomorrow of getting to meet you know folks like you and Mariah who've who've been out in the field and done what is necessary uh, to save these animals. And I just, you know, for you, why why do you want the public to come into the center for this open house? You know, what do you want them to take away from meeting with these staff members, from seeing the animals that you care for? Um, I think that being able to, you know, come into the building and see the, the links that... Um, that we go to and that are, you know, supported to help wild animals get back out into nature and, and get them through the um, challenges and injuries and illnesses and things that they encounter. Um, very often, as a result of living around humans, and it's the impact that we make on their environment that causes them to get into trouble a lot of times. And we see, you know, these animals that are sort of a part of the background, these, you know, rabbits and squirrels and possums and stuff, they're not, you know, high-profile endangered species, um, and they don't seem exotic to us because they're the animals that live around us. I so appreciate, we we have to, you know, get out uh, in just a bit, but I so appreciate you being on the show and the Wildlife Rescue Center's open house. I did want to mention that if you can make reservations there, there are still slots open. It is tomorrow, Saturday, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at mowildlife.org. Again, that's mowildlife.org. This episode was produced by Avery Rogers. Our audio engineer is Aaron Dorr, and our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Alex Foyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.